Hey, this is Francesco from Light the Torch, and you're listening to Interview Under Fire. everyone welcome back to a brand new edition of interview under fire this is once again your host sunny this time along with a talented francisco artusado man it's an honor thank you so much for joining our iuf series today now uh fran this is an exciting time of the year for you and the rest of the guys over at light the torch with the release of your second studio album you will be the yeah. death of me drops june 25th on nuclear blast records and first things first i want to commend you guys on all of the well-deserved recognition it's been getting so far, especially with those amazing singles, Wilting in the Light and More Than Dreaming. Shout out to the other revered publications like uh, Revolver and Outburn Magazine for praising your work. Plenty of amazing things to unravel about this album. But before we get to all that and beyond, Frank, I know we talked about it before the interview started. How are you, man? How's life in LA for the people who are listening? I know we have listeners all over around the world. Like, How's life in California right now? It's been an important question to ask. It's a simple one, but considering what's been happening in our lives in the last year, uh, tell me all about it. <laughs> you know, honestly, like it's it's pretty good. Like it was even for, uh, for me, I figured, you know, um, a way to make it good even last year. So I was uh, one of the ones like, you know, I actually had a, a decent time. Like, unfortunately, I had to like this forced break from music and, and with the band, we had such a busy year last year. And so it's kind of like, you know, kind of have to accept Things are not going to go the way you, you plan it, but just let's make a new plan and let's try to still have right. a good time. So, and uh, yeah, things are getting better and better. Seems like every week it's, things are opening up more and more and yeah, just like starting to feel a little more safe to just be around people. It's like, it's cool to finally, you know, hang out with people just like, uh, you know, without freaking out, like, like other people not freaking out and uh, yeah. it's cool. I'm enjoying again, just doing things like going camping and, you know, like doing stuff like that. And, uh, yeah. And obviously spend time with the, you know, Howard and Ryan and, you know, it's, it's good stuff. Yeah. It, and it's making the best of a situation is what we got to do. And you're doing that. And, you know, I, there's something I do want to do. I want to wind the, I want to wind the clock back here, friend, to maybe just a couple years back to 2018, maybe even before that, because for listeners and fans who may not know, if you could just briefly shed more light about that moment in your life that led to the forming of Light the Torch into what you guys are today. I know you have that strong bond with your bandmates, Howard and Ryan Wambacher at that time. Does it feel like everything also just went by in a blink at the same time? Well, I was actually like, we had a, something like a, almost a year that was just not fun at all, dealing with mm -hmm. like lawyers and, you know, dealing with the, band member from devil you know the, the whole reason why we have to change name and yeah yeah you know, that whole process like and then uh, all of a sudden you're not signed anymore and then uh just like figured out like what we're gonna do and so that was like a, a stressful time just not a you know not a lot of fun but then i think like uh we just managed to just you know just like find a, a way to be productive the right way the way we want it and uh, I started working on just the music that was for Light Torch. And uh, yeah, and, and shortly after, I mean, well, shortly after. So after we finally, the music was released, things started picking up really fast. So just things started happening. And uh, in a matter of like a year, we were just like touring a bunch, doing great tours, the best tours that I've done, you know, 
and uh, yeah, it's kind of like a big surprise because like a year before you were just like, I don't even know what's going to happen. It's like, are mm-hmm. we still going to do this? Or, you know, you know, you end up like feeling very bummed out about the, the situation, especially when you're like dealing with lawyers and people suing you or this or that, or that kind of stuff. It's just, you know, makes it not fun anymore. But yeah, it's like uh, shortly after, you know, we, after we released the record, things started getting better and better. And, and we were on a roll. Seriously, last year was going to be by far our best year with the tours that we had planned. Yeah. The, the, this record, it was supposed to be out last summer. And yeah, the, the Atonement tour. I remember that. You guys were supposed to come here with August Burns Red and Killswitch. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think out three shows into the tour, that's when we all had to fly home. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. And so it's like, yeah, it got, it got really weird. But but yeah, like nonetheless, we had two two years of just so much good stuff of likes. And also it's such a good feeling to finally see things in the right place and just like things happening, good things happening for the band and just like, you know, just uh, people just being excited to have us like on tour or on playing venues and do stuff. Like it's really cool. Has this time, you know, uh, I know we've all been kind of just forced to take this unexpected step back and has this time lately made you develop a growing appreciation of the live concert experience? Cause you, you talked about, you know, the tours that you guys had scheduled, I mean, you've been at this for a while, you know, friend, you know, uh, whether it's with Light the Torch or All Shall Perish, Devil You Know, like you mentioned, Hiss of Atrocities. I'll even mention your uh, your solo project, the Francisco yeah. Artusado project. I do wonder, how was the live ex- music experience for you personally? You know, you, you shared the bands like the Killswitch and August Burns Red, Trivium, uh, Avatar, In Flames. That list goes on forever. But do you ever take a time to just, you know, look back at your experiences that you've been through? And it's like, OK, now I'm going to approach the touring life with a whole different perspective well it's been like uh honestly i think all three uh like the three of us when we started with light the torch we we had to, we got to a point where we just had been doing this for so many years and then we get to you know you get to really know what you want it's like i mean again i had like a few years where I was like, I didn't even know if it's gonna still gonna be like more touring, or I didn't know. It's like you know, you, you know, weird mood. It's just like I don't even know if I want to do this anymore. And then mm-hmm. when you start doing it again, you take it in a way that like, okay, now I'm not gonna take you know like uh, things that I wouldn't be okay with normally. I won't, you know, this time I'll make sure it won't be happening to us. And then we're only gonna be doing this the right way. Otherwise, we're not going to do it. And uh, even the team that we work with right now, like with management and just all, all the people involved, it's just, it feels like we are all on the same page and we're all like way more mature. And, uh, and so, yeah, just like now going on tour, it's like, first of all, it's like thinking about, you know, it's a, it's a reminder of like how lucky, what a cool career that we get to, you know experience and uh and just like try to you know just enjoy that as much as possible and i i think like per like just as as people the three of us just hang out you know like when we hang out it's so so much fun that's like Mm -hmm. you know like in the past it used to be like you know tours are fun when you have 
shows and now on days off everybody's like no hotel bored as hell it's like watching tv or just whatever with this guy's like we look forward to the days off because we have so much fun you know we always do stuff like i mean mostly it's camping but literally you hang out with your best friends and just like hiking and camping and doing all that so it's like a tour is actually has become like i think i appreciate touring more now because like i see people my age their their kind of life and then how like the fact i still get to live this adventurous life you know where yeah you know so many things can happen any day and just like it's just keeps keeps you know just like it's fresh it's a it's a fresh way to live and uh yeah i, I definitely like appreciate it and uh yeah and it's i definitely i'm aware of like how good of a you know life and career i have you know yeah and you talked about the camaraderie and the chemistry that you three have formed and uh it it's always interesting to look at it you know from 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 that perspective like little things start to stand out about the touring life you could talk about culture fans even the food all you want but like i remember had i had some uh plenty of talented guests like yourselves on here to talk about a simple thing like waking up uh on a tour bus in the morning and hearing like just the boom basing sound of like the sound check you know, the just little things like that start to start to stand out. And but uh, but yeah, you nailed it perfectly. And you talked about again, you talked about the camaraderie that you three have that second album. You will be the death of me comes out June 25th. I do want to talk about that now because this is quite the follow up to 2018's revol- revival. And why would I be saying that? Why is this quite the follow up? Because that album landed you guys at number four on the Billboard US Independent Albums chart and number 10 on the Hard Rock Albums chart. I mean, it was, you know, such a big step for you guys as a unit receiving all that critical acclaim, you know, knowing how successful Like the Torch's debut album was, Fran, was there any pressure you sensed at all when you decided to sit down and write again for You Will Be the Death of Me? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because, I mean, you obviously, there's only one way to make the next record, just make it better and make it bigger, (laughs) you know? So it's like, you do feel that pressure. So I definitely, like... I took it in a way where I just like, you know, just spend even more time, you know, writing and going over everything a million times. And, uh, you know, before the studio, during pre-production in the studio, just like obsessively, just, you know, just, just make sure that everything is in right, in the right place, you know? And so it's, uh, but I, I think like, Overall, I'm just, uh, even the fact is like, like I said, like we finished the record basically a year ago, right? more than a year ago. And, uh, and it's, it's kind of rare for, I mean, even musicians, other musicians I talk to, you know, it's kind of rare to still like what you did a year ago, still as much as we do <laughs> now. So I think it's like, a, it's probably a good sign. The fact that I'm still very, you know, very, very happy with the with this record and uh and i think it is by far our best work yeah and you said it yourself i'm gonna quote you here you said every second on this record was thought out and if i may friend from start to finish i mean riff after riff there were soaring vocals and guitar melodies and memorable anthems i mean there were massive hooks and drum patterns that kept repeating in my head after after uh, i got sent the album i really saw that growth and musicality and the chemistry within your band lineup you know from songs like uh, more than dreaming to end of the world to living with the ghost to something deep inside to that cover of the 1987 terrence trent darby classic sign your name 
you know, walk me through this. How much did things change from when you first started composing on this album to where you ended up finishing it? Was there already a specific sound you guys knew you had in mind with You Will Be the Death of Me? Well, uh, yeah. So usually when uh, I start writing for the for the next thing, you know, whatever it is, whatever it becomes, like I just like plan it. So at first I just write whatever uh, it's my head, whatever I've been like humming on my phone, in my phone and just like a bunch of ideas. And it could be like usually song one, song two, like demo one, demo two for like the next record. Sometimes we end up, you know, not using it because they're just experiments. But uh, in this case, actually, the first demo was Living with the Ghost, uh, with the Ghost. And uh, oh, wow. so, it, like, obviously, at that point, it was like, I, you know, want to write a heavy one. And then uh, I think the next song was like, it's one of the more mellow on the record. And that was, uh, let's come back to the quicksand. That's the second song that I wrote. So it like that to show like how I tried to kind of like, you know, basically touch the, the two extremes in a way, kind of like, and, and start like, you know, seeing how it goes after. And uh, yeah, I tried to write a bunch of songs, 15, 20 songs, uh, like something like that. Just like a, at least be prepared for, when we start with pre-production because when we start with pre-production that's when really everybody gets more familiar with the the songs i mean obviously howard and ryan are very familiar with the songs i keep sending them like revisions and all that for like in this case for about a year i kept sending them songs so yeah and, uh yeah when we start with pre-production is when we kind of focus like especially if howard usually you know he writes a bunch of lyrics and then in this case you know, just like he was the one like, I, I kind of want to work on this one, this one, this one. And then so we did. And then after pre-production, what I, I like to have is like a few months off, basically, from the studio where I can really like use what we got from pre-production and think like, okay, now I'm going to either change other certain songs to make it more like you know, cohesive with the sound that it's like, it's, it's starting to, you know, take shape in the studio. And and so much helps what Howard's doing because of, uh, you know, like a guy like me, it's like, I, you know, I always want Howard to sing, you know, just like, yeah. I mean, I love, I love his screaming and all that, but like, I'm just like, you know, it's just like, I love just his voice, the way it sounds like either over like heavy parts or not heavy parts or just love the singing. So I'm always like pushing for that, <laughs> but, but obviously he's got like, you know, the things that he also wants to do, he, he wants to try. And then every, every record is becomes a challenge for him too. Cause it's like, he wants to do better things and harder things or just like get, you know, become better. And so it's like this whole process like that. Uh, just, uh, I think it's, I learned uh, over the years how, like it's just important to take your time and then it's just like not rush any of the the moments like just let it happen you know and uh and to be rushed it to me it'll be the worst thing for our dynamics i think it's like a you know it's kind of a luxury to have time for pre-production then time off then more pre-production then a little more time off then you hit the studio then you do all this stuff it's like but i think like uh for the way it works for us it's just you know, just, uh, just better this way. And, uh, mm -hmm. and yeah, so it's like, it becomes almost like a, for me, I'm like thinking about the songs and, and just probably for two years, you know, just going over all the stuff and just modifying and going back and 
trying a million different grooves over certain parts, different drum parts and this and that. It's just like a, but I think it's, it's part of the, it's part of the, you know, the fun also. And also I think like, I'm, I'm the kind of guy who, who just like, I, the other thing that I learned being in the studio is like when, uh, whenever you write something and then it right from the get-go doesn't feel like it's really there, right? Mm-hmm. And then you just like, maybe you procrastinate or maybe you think like, oh, maybe once we add layers, once we add vocals over, it'll, it'll sound good enough. I learned that that doesn't work that, at least for me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm never going to be happy with it. And then parts that I, I did end up being okay with leaving like uh, like that on previous records, I ended up always being like regretting it because I'm like, later on, I listened to it, it was like, why didn't I end up changing? I, I had this feeling you know, and sometimes like there, there could be like small things and then the producers and everybody's like, yeah, sounds fine. It's like, but ultimately you've been, you know, working, digesting this music for so long that it, I think it's like you owe it to yourself to just make it the way you really want it. So, yeah, it's, it's just like a, it's, it's such a big project. It's such a like big process to work on the record that I also it turns out that as once I'm done working on the record I'm basically like completely spent I I need months off from just even thinking about writing or which is kind of weird because last year is like you know the pandemic it would be the perfect time to just be at home and write a bunch of music but I had just finished my time of just doing that 24 7 so I was so spent I, I I didn't like when we you know when we came back from that tour at you know because of covid i was like i did even play guitar for months you know i was just like <laughs> i yeah think of just writing something right now or you know yeah it, you talked about the production because i also heard that natural evolution to your sound it sounded so clean and so polished and powerful and i mean i heard everything on that on this record i'm kind of an audiophile these days i'm very picky on how i want my songs to sound the way i want to sound them and uh, this was recorded at Sparrow Sound in Glendale, California. Is that correct? Yeah. And yeah. you also brought in the likes of, you know, Josh Gilbert and Joseph McQueen and people who don't know, they're known for the work with a bullet from my Valentine, As I Lay Dying, Suicide Silence. Talk about those two guys. And, you know, I'm sure there was a sense of comfortability in the studio for you, Fran. I know you talk about getting the stresses out, like when you're writing, 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 and you're done. It's like, I just want to chill. You know, I'm sure there was a sense of comfortability in the studio for you, Fran, knowing that they were working on this record with you, right? Well, yeah, but I mean, I'm basically, I'm, I'm thinking about, I think about the music and everything till like we literally call it, okay, we're done with the record, the record's master. So even the whole process with producers, I'm like, not because I don't, you know, in this case, I, these are, these are two people that I trust. And in fact, we, uh, we work on, this is the second record we do with them. And, uh, and it's because I really enjoyed working. We all enjoy working with them. Uh, on the first record the first light the torch record and so we decided to do it again and also like it's it's so comfortable it's also like 15 minutes from my house so mm-hmm. i mean and it's not it's not a small thing because like part of like how we are in the studio it's also how much we're enjoying the whole experience so, like if somebody would tell you it's like you gotta be in traffic for two hours or get to and get to a studio or you're gonna be like in a hotel uh, every night or something is like a night come for your home or whatever. And then you still got to be productive in the studio and feel a certain way. It's like, it can be hard as at least 
for people like me, I know for Howard, it's to be like very chill. So the, the, the both um, Josh and, and Joe, they're like very chill. Like they totally fit our vibe, which so which is like, you know, a very relaxed vibe in the studio. And also the, we're not talking about producer with like a big ego. They're trying to, you know, change your songs or change. Of like, course. I, I felt like with the first record, it's a, you know, it was like, it was a, such a good experience. Cause again, I noticed how much like they just like, they work on the songs that you brought. They, they're not trying to make the songs their style or their, you know, and that's a big thing for producers. Like to me, like the producer I want to work with. Cause you know, nowadays you always hear the stories of people going with the producer where they just show up with some riffs and it's like, Hey, producer, write me an album. Right. <laughs> and then to me, that, that, that's kind of insane. I'm never going to be able to do that, but you want to work with the producer who's got also understands your vision. Right. And then I think like both of them also, the fact that they, they were a fan of Howard, like they've been a fan of Howard and they follow Howard's, you know, career for many, many years. So they, they know exactly what Howard is capable of. And, uh, and so I think like uh, all of us, they just like, just work as a team. We just work really well. And then sometimes like, uh, you know, the songs are basically kind of done, you know, and some other, some other times, like we decide to, you know, try different, you know, different arrangements for a song or and things like that. And it's like move things around. And, uh, yeah, these guys are just on point, you know, with all that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, for people who also don't know, I'm going to quote you again here, Fran, because you also said there's nothing like art that expresses pure and deep emotions. You're also a freedy, uh, uh, freedy, a freelance 3d artist because you constructed the album art and the music on this record, uh, kind of resonated because it sounded like those colors. You also mentioned that as well. I saw, as I'm looking at it, I, I saw colors like blue, black, red, orange, yellow. Like I felt that too. You can see uh, for people who are not, we're listening to the podcast version, you can see a torch in the middle and there's three flames coming out of it. And those three flames represent you, Howard and Ryan, which is, I thought that was amazing. And, you know, lastly, those neon colors, and the fog was also inspired by John Carpenter's 80s movies and, you know, the thing and the fog. I'll even throw Christine in there. You know, being a 3D artist, friend, does it feel like this sort of outlet also allows you to tap into a whole di different dimension of yourself that you may not have been able to tap into before? Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is something that I didn't know when I started. When I started, it was like, it was actually during the time where, you know, things were kind of uh, getting rough and difficult with devil you know mm -hmm. and uh, really music started to feel like wow it really has had become like a job and then I'm like you know you had the not fun days uh, when you're like at work and things like that so like i don't know there was a weird vibe I, it really felt like i need in a way like a hobby but for me obviously i wanted a hobby that's still like you know I deal with creativity and uh, and the fact that it also like just like visual arts and artwork and stuff like that. It's something that I always liked a lot, like looked at, you know, books, magazines, the internet, it's like always like looked for it, but I never thought it was like, okay, I could possibly think of learning that. Right. 
I'm doing music, it's it's one you know one thing that is like already enough to uh, just. Everyone is listening. You hear him saying this, but he also did Fear Factory's cover as well. So I'm just saying that your talent is extraordinary. Anyway, I just want to throw that out there. So go ahead. <laughs> yeah. No, but so like basically, this is like probably like five years ago. That's when I kind of started with this stuff. Yeah. And it started from like nothing, just also because like I wanted to do explore the like all the the digital artwork and 3D and just like you know just looking at things where you're like I can't like this is too fascinating I, I want to kind of learn and uh, since then I noticed how much it it made me develop and evolve as as a musician also because like now there's like first of all it's like you realize how much like different forms of just art are similar. And uh, I actually heard from one of my favorite concept artists. He was actually talking about how for him, music was a hobby. And then he was saying like how writing a song is basically like working on a concept art, hmm. you know, when you're like developing all these concepts, all this, like you create the story in your head and then you present it with one image. Right. And then and there's literally the, 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 the steps like with dealing with the composition and dealing with all, all these things, they're basically the same concepts. And, and so much I'm like, you know, it's like, I, I, it's like to me, it's like a, a day working on music, not necessarily needs to be playing guitar or recording a song. It's like, you know, I can go hike, you know, and then that could be like working on music because I'm, 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 I'm getting inspired by it just being around certain things and, and paying attention to certain things, right? Or going to the museum or, you know, looking at images and, you know, this kind of stuff. So I think like I, I was able to just like develop, I think, uh, I don't know, a deeper uh, way Connection. to look. Okay. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and, and so, and the fact that now it's like to me, when I'm doing a, a, a music, I know already that I'm going to be thinking about like the visuals and, and then how the visuals are part of the whole thing. Right. So like from the, the, you know, the designs of, you know, seeing like seeing on, on merchandise or, or seeing like even uh, the look of our photos, you know, I'm like involved with the, all that aspect. Cause to me, it is part of this whole package, right. This mm -hmm. whole artistic package that has got music and it's got visuals and, uh, and yeah. And, and I have uh, so, so much fun doing it. Cause it's like, uh, it really does feel like, in fact, the, uh, the album, our, our work for this album, I started working on it uh, while I was also writing songs after we did the first week of pre-production. And like I was saying earlier, we started, I started feeling like, okay, this is what we're developing. This is what the album is actually is going to sound like. And that to me is like, we already had during uh, that uh, pre-production, we had songs like, uh, I think Wilting the Light was done. Okay. Uh, Death of Me was done. And those were the like songs that to me, like already started feeling like we got this type of darkness, but this type of like edgy kind of elements and, you know, and, and so like everything kind of like started developing out of my head and then I started working on the artwork. I, I had the artwork finished before we finished doing the record, you know? Yeah, I, I think that really shows a dedication to your craft, Fran. 
Um, and people who don't know, aggression continuum is that fear factory uh, uh, cover that. And I'm actually going to be talking to Dino here really soon. So I'm going to yes. ask him about that as well. So I think it's amazing. I think you should continue doing that because it really, I think, expands your musicality. It really provides a, a different sense of, uh, I guess, a different sense of passion that you can put into your craft. You can do many things at the same time and uh, really shows that I, we could talk about the artwork forever, but I know friend, we're running out of time here. I want to get to you to your next interview, make sure about that. But I want to end things on a pretty fun note. Usually I ask my guests like what like five favorite albums do they have? But since we touched on movies and kind mm-hmm. of like the themes and I know you about talk about your artwork, what are five favorite movies that you could think of at the top of your head? If I were to ask you. Okay. Number one, absolutely always will be Blade Runner. Oh, okay. First one or 2049? Uh, first one. Okay. Uh, that's an absolute classic. I'm actually looking at it on my, right now on my video rack. Anyway, <laughs> that's a yeah. classic. Yeah. That to me, it's, it just like, I don't know, poetry. It's just like a movie that really I watched in, and in another case was like, you know, you watch that movie and the music is such a big part of yeah. the movie the visuals, like everything is just so amazing. I wish I wish they would re-release it in theaters because I, I saw 2049, by the way, and that's actually probably my favorite sequel of all time. To this day, it's still the loudest movie I've seen in theaters. But anyway, that's 2049. I mean, both movies are just I think they complement each other so well. Yeah, uh, yeah. OK, Blade Runner, that's one. <laughs> that's one. Uh, I would say and then actually staying the, in the theme of the artwork and this this the, the cover for this album, Big Travel in Little China. Oh my, that's, that's also a John Carpenter. Yeah. yeah. I almost yeah. mentioned that too. I was like, there's, there's, that's gotta be on his list. Great yeah, call. And think about it. And think about it. You got skulls with neon around it. Uh-huh. Like, yep. You yep. got smoke. You guys like, it's such a, like the 80s vibe, the colors are like vibrant. And so that's for sure. Um, I'm going to go back and revisit those movies. Like just, just the, just the themes of it to see the, the, the comparisons between the two. Yeah. Uh, let's see. One of the recent movies that I loved, um, The Lighthouse. Ah, that's great movie. That that movie. I mean, it's still. I have to be mentally prepared to see that movie. Honestly, yeah. I, I like how you're naming the movies, and I'm just reviewing them for you. <laughs> that movie. That movie is not the movie that is just like you can just pause it every every frame. Just pause yeah. it and mm-hmm. like it, it's amazing. Yeah. Like composition, lighting. And it's just like, I, you know, I love that directors. Yeah. Especially with that sense of isolation that you get the way the, the ratio is on the TV, where it's just the yeah. black box, you know, yeah. instead of just the usual widescreen we see nowadays, but that that's a work of art. Like I said, we could talk about each of these movies for like an hour, but I don't want to, I don't want to keep you, but yeah. go ahead. That's three. That's three. Uh, the first corner. Oh, uh, that's like, you got a great list going on here. Granted that I watched it like uh, being born you know born and raised in italy i watched mm. it in italian in italy we have movies overdub so okay. i we have no idea what arnold actually sounds like or sounded like so when i watched that movie was overdubbed by like a great theater actor uh italian actor yeah and so i watched it with the with the voice and everything it's like <laughs> the movie always had this you know, I still love the movie, obviously, even in the English version. But I got to be honest, when I watched it for the first time in English, I was like, wow, this feels a little more silly than. But nonetheless, <laughs> I didn't know that. 
<laughs> but that, that movie's so good. I mean, I still love it. It's like, it, it's such a good movie. It's just like the older, you know, it's got every element. And again, amazing music also. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm, and, that's the one yeah. I haven't seen in a while. I have to, now you're making this mental list in my head that I'll have to just keep checking yeah. out. Uh, let's see. Putting you on the spot here. You got no one more. Yeah. Probably I would say, um, I mean, I don't know. One of the either maybe the first alien movie. Oh alien. man. Now you're really getting into my list here. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was either a, a tie between alien or aliens in my top like 10 list. Yeah. Um, for me, it's aliens. But um, did you say alien the first one? Yeah, I'd, I'd actually, yeah. I'm always like, you know what? Depends. On, like sometimes, like one year I watch one, and I'm like, wow, th- I like this one better. And then I watch <laughs> the aliens, and it's like, well, I actually like this better. And then I go back and forth. It's it's, it's kind of like I just I think as as they you know they just work. I almost see it as a whole movie. You know. Yeah. Just like. A, I think it's amazing how how you had two different directors, Ridley Scott and James Cameron, work on two different films, but then they those films are are groundbreaking films in their genres because the first one yeah. it broke uh what is it the psychological the horror and the sci-fi elements of all three. By the way, do you know what the pitch was for the first Alien movie? No, it's four words. I went to film school and I learned about it. The guy oh. who who my mentor he was actually at the pitch. For that film oh. and the pitch was four words jaws in outer space because if if those words were not said this movie would never get created because it was wow. just it's a monster film and then whoever was taking the pitch they told the guy all right you got five seconds and he said jaws in outer space he goes i like it take it next door bam and that's how we got to alien anyway fun fact for anyone who doesn't know you don't know that's pretty awesome <laughs> yeah that's awesome yeah I mean, now if I mean, you think about it that's exactly what that is if you think about it yeah Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> we could talk about that forever. Anyway, friend, this has been such an honor. Do you have any, you know, last words, just any shout outs, anything you'd like to plug in or mention as far as like the torch and you will be the death of me before we finish things off here. Uh, maybe a new music video. I don't know what you can and cannot say live streaming. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have a uh, new stuff out soon, obviously with the release, you know, being so soon uh, a little more than a month, but yeah, we'll have, uh, more songs out and uh yeah overall i'm just you know kind of like blown away by you know how like you know the response in general like how things are going it's like we're uh, we're currently on the top 40 active rock with the single wilting in the light yeah. and it's like it's amazing it's like uh you know having songs on the radio and stuff like that is seriously it's uh yeah it, it's a it's a great uh beginning of like this release uh releasing the album process and uh you know so just thank you to everybody who's like really digging the stuff and listening to it. it's it's making us feel great <laughs> no it's uh, i mean i wouldn't be here today without the music you guys put out so much appreciation to, appreciation to everything you guys have done throughout your career i mean there's that sense of fulfillment that you get knowing that what you just said you're on that top 20 top 40 list whatever list it is like it's it's a nice position to be at knowing that there's a light at the end of the tunnel here in the states as far as the pandemic is concerned um but yeah everyone who's listening if you can you know buy the record I'm, i mean i know it's it's an easier said than done process but uh it's a very simple request but i still buy records that's sitting in the corner of my room because the bands can't do it without your help so buy yeah. the record that's what i asked that's my that's my proposal out there 
Fran uh, from the Light the Torch, You Will Be the Death of Me, comes out June 25th on Nuclear Blast. This has been an honor, man. Let's stay in touch. I'm sure we'll see each other again at Gas Monkey. Yeah. Um, hopefully, I'll see you here in the States soon with the, if if not before the Atonement Tour, I'll, I'll see you at the Atonement Tour with August Burns Red and Killswitch. So um, you stay yeah. safe out there in Cali, man. Uh, this has been an honor, and uh, I'll talk to you next time. Awesome. You too. Take care. All right. Thanks, take so. care. at the windows. You can smell it even when the wind blows. The feeling never burns away. And no one's gonna hear you pray. You can hey guys, thanks for listening to Interview Under Fire podcast. If you guys liked what you heard, Please subscribe and share our channel. And please leave a five-star review as that helps us tremendously. If you'd like to check out more, visit www.interviewunderfire.com or our social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And finally, we want to thank you all for the support you've been giving us. Keep it burning.